Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. You are listening to Transform Your Life with Kelly and Lisa. I'm Kelly. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Kelly. <laughs> you know, we were talking before the show about the um, book project that we're still, you know, working on. And if you've paid attention to the show at all, you know that domestic violence, domestic abuse, spousal abuse, sexual abuse, you know, child abuse, all of those things are topics that are very near and dear to both of our hearts. And uh, since we really don't have an agenda for the show, let's, let's kind of, you know, give a, a few minutes about what the book is, is um, all about. Um, you know, originally it had a different title. It is now called Resilient. And um, Lisa, you brought up an interesting point about how people view domestic violence as one type of event, and that's really not at all what we need to be focusing on. It's more of an abuse thing than a – it doesn't have to be violent. So you want to expand on your thought there a little bit because that was a really good one, and I think that's a point that we need to have more conversation about. What is domestic violence? And I know we've talked about it a little bit in previous shows, but um, it's it's certainly something worth talking about again. Well, you know, for me, the the term violence absolutely goes to being beaten or raped or, you know, things along those lines that have a violent tendency. And we have Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So most people relate domestic violence to you know, he hits me, she hits me, whatever the case may be, and it takes out the nonviolent abuse. And I've always ha- held that I feel we need to change it from Domestic Violence Awareness Month to Domestic Abuse Awareness Month because abuse is abuse regardless of whether it comes in a violent form or nonviolent form. And most people are don't feel like they're being abused because there's no physical aspect to their abuse when it's exactly the opposite there you are being abused under certain circumstances there's most emotional and mental abuse it's not always physical and that's still something you have to crawl out of when you experience that you have to crawl out of that hole and figure out who you are again and and figure out that you are valuable and that you are worthy and that you are worth something so that that's my take on it. And I'm not trying to downplay domestic violence. I just think the conversation needs to be expanded. And I, it, it has. I do notice that the conversation has been expanded a little bit more. There's a hashtag, um, particularly on Twitter, hashtag maybe he doesn't hit you. And people are telling their stories about, uh, you know, but he cuts you off from your family or, um, you know, he always checks your phone messages or he, you know, those types of things where it is bringing into the light that there are other types of abuse. It's not always just physical. And that goes back to history, though, you know, with your story even. People didn't want to participate. It was a domestic thing. It wasn't a cop thing. And, And now, you know, you can only get police help if, He's hitting you, you know, and the other abuse, he might rage and destroy everything in your house, but doesn't necessarily mean that you have any kind of 
police protection from that or whatever, and that's not violent towards you, but that's still violence. So it is, and you know, I, I think I, I I have done so many workshops in so many battered women shelters through the years, and worked with one on one with so many people who have been through not even just women, but even men um, who have been through some kind of a horribly abusive situation or relationship and what you're saying is very very true and we it's a conversation we need to be more open to having I think there's still um, especially in rural areas and I know everybody since the election has been talking about rural areas that's not where I'm going here but especially in rural areas there are a lot of men who are afraid to say you know, she's really mean to me, you know, she really hurts me. Or when I was a kid, you know, I had a coach who molested me. They think it somehow reflects on them. You know, there's something wrong with them that this happened to them. And that is so, so, so wrong. You know, we, we need to do a lot better job of allowing men the safety and the security of coming forward and sharing their stories uh, I don't normally take coaching clients, but I've recently taken a new coaching client who is male and he has an incredible story going back to pretty much since birth of being abused and yet it always stops short of violence. But sometimes that emotional abuse, that feeling of, you know, so many people, in well everywhere it doesn't have to be a rural area but so many people uh, were raised with you've got to be tough you know don't show your emotions don't cry and and what happens is we grow up into adults and never feeling loved and never feeling worthy of love and never feeling like we're worthy of anything really and then we wonder why we've never been successful in anything in our lives and to me, in my mind, if someone didn't hit you, but that's the way you were raised, that's still violent. You know, that's just a different, that's just a different form of violence. Uh, so absolutely, I think we need to expand that. And I love your idea of domestic abuse month rather than domestic violence because it doesn't take anything at all away from people who have been beaten or raped or whatever Uh, that was a violent situation, to also include those people who were emotionally molested. And, you know, the other day I was at a a business women's luncheon, and, well, I guess it was last week. Anyway, um, (laughs) and there was another speaker there who said, you know, I may not have been beaten when I was a child, but I was most certainly emotionally molested and abused. And I thought, what an amazing way to put that, because that's exactly what it feels like. So, yeah, in this book, Resilient, we're including all of those kinds of stories. Uh, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this show. If you're listening to it at some point in the future, look for it. It's Resilient. Uh, if, if you're listening to us live, which I see a couple of numbers there, people are listening live, look for it probably the first part of December. We were hopeful we'd get it out in November, 
but I'm going to be traveling, and I don't know that that's going to happen. So look for it the first part of December and uh, pick that up. It would it will really, I, I think it's going to be a real eye-opening book for many, many people who read I it. I am so excited because, about this project. I yeah, cannot wait. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, it, it's absolutely, uh, the cover is breathtakingly beautiful. It was done by Leah Friday. And uh, she does fabulous, every, everything she touches is just fabulous. But uh, the stories are, people wrote their own stories and they contributed them and um, they're all very different and yet there are similar things running through. So I don't want to take up the whole show on the book, <laughs> but it, it is something we're, we could easily, but it is something we're very, very passionate about. So please do look for it. One of the things that we were talking about earlier, too, and you mentioned at the top of the show, is when you're coming out of those kinds of situations, you kind of have to realize who you are again, and that goes into uh, self-esteem and and self-confidence and loving yourself and all that kind of stuff. And I want to kind of segue into that because we're coming into the holiday season. Some people say it's already started. In my mind, I'm thinking... My official holidays, you know, really haven't started yet. But this is a time of year that's tough for a lot of people. Right. And if you have been in a situation where maybe your sense of self isn't as strong as it should be or you'd like it to be, and maybe you don't really have that strong sense of confidence in your abilities or that deep sense of self-love and acceptance, the holidays can be really, really tough. So... How do you get through that? You know, what what do you do? Uh, how, how do how do we work through that and move forward? And, you know, one of the things that I do, and I just told someone earlier today this very thing: give yourself an adult timeout. You know, when kids start getting cranky and they they don't want to cooperate and they don't want to do what they're supposed to do, we put them in a timeout generally. Put yourself in an adult timeout, whatever that looks like for you. It can be going for a walk. It can be taking a hot bath. It can be whatever you want it to be. But never underestimate the power of a timeout. <laughs> Just stop what you're doing and regroup and recenter yourself. And then, you know, however long it takes, mine are usually, you know, three or four minutes, but however long it takes for you to let that go and shake it off, uh, then you can get back to, you know, resume your normal day and your, your activity, whatever that is. What do you think about that, Lisa? Have you done that? You know, I think it's important to stress that to take an hour for yourself a day, every day. Right. Do that because you need to de-stress. And the people that are around you, it's not their fault, um, you know, to be able to – I know I'm not as quick to anger anymore um, really, I, I have a little more patience as far as even being frustrated, Dallas, but there are still moments where I'm just like, ah, I can't do this. And my kids, I have trained them to recognize that they just need to walk away sometimes because I might not always walk away. But, you know, I think it's very important. And I think particularly during the holidays, you know, when you're out Christmas shopping, buy something for yourself. Enjoy spending money on yourself, you know. Just do something nice for yourself, but take the time as well every day to give yourself that that space because you need it everybody needs space 
and a right. way to distract. Right. So I think it's very important, you know, if you're in a moment, take three or four minutes to, like, bring yourself back and calm down or whatever, but definitely take the time, even if it's 30 minutes, you know, take the time every day to do something for yourself. Right. And you, you know, you you mentioned Christmas shopping, and you know, whatever whatever holiday you're celebrating, there there seems like right. there's always some shopping that needs to be done. But when I was a kid, we were very poor, and the whole idea of Christmas shopping. When I was very very young, I remember the excitement, and I remember the build up. But as I by the time I was eight or nine, I was kind of oh, no, it's the holidays. We have no money. Mom's going to be stressed. My grandmother's going to be really upset. You know, whatever the stepfather of the moment was is going to be angry. You know, and it was those feelings carried with me into adulthood. The, The fact that, well, the holidays are a time for stress. You know, the holidays are a time for feeling bad about yourself because you can't buy people things that you want to buy them. And I think many adults go through that. So even when your financial situation changes, you're still holding on to that poverty mindset of it's never enough, it's never enough, it's never enough. And now is the time to let that go. Uh, One of the other things that that I did at the the, um, talk that I gave last week was let it go. You know, you're not five, you're not 12, you're not whatever age it was when you realized that um, you were, you know, that your, your life wasn't like everybody else's life, you know, and we are so conditioned by the media to be consumers and, you know, how many um, car commercials, luxury car commercials can you tolerate over the holiday season? I know I've seen two thus far and, I'm sick of them already, but you have to find something to be happy about. You have to find something to be grateful for. And in this country, we take so much for granted. You know, where I'm sitting right now, I'm just looking around in the the room that I'm sitting in, looking at all the stuff that I have. And that's not really what's important. You know, it's, I think we need to, Take some time. I did this with my daughter when she was younger, and she hated me for it at the time. But the other day she told me she was taking my grandsons to do the same exact thing. So, hey, there you go. Uh, (laughs) Find a soup kitchen, a homeless shelter, and go visit people. Go talk to people. Go volunteer to serve people food. You know, if you can't do that, Find some way of giving back, even if it's to visit an elderly neighbor or visit someone in the hospital or go to a children's hospital and spend some time playing with sick kids. Do something during the holidays that is enriching you and giving back to someone else. I guarantee you if you go into a children's hospital, whatever you thought your problems were, are gone in the first five minutes. When you see some little kid who is fighting for their life and their whole family is falling apart and this little kid is so strong and so happy and so grateful that everyone is rallying around them, it changes your life. It really, really does. 
So if you're one of those people, and I know I was for a very long time, who dreaded the holiday season because you grew up thinking there was just never enough, therefore you were never enough, give of yourself. Give your time. It costs nothing to give your time. You know, even if you're not a people person, go walk a dog at an animal shelter. You know, there is something that matters to you. There is something you can do that will really make you feel good about yourself. And once you find that, keep doing it. Don't just, it's not one and done. It's just like physical activity, you know, about exercising, getting in shape or whatever. It's part of personal growth. It's part of personal development. And it's really, really, really important to find those little things that make such a huge difference in the lives of other people, which makes a huge difference in your own life. So that is that is my, my soapbox five minutes on the holiday season because I think we get too caught up with consumerism. We get too caught up with show people you love them through spending money you don't have or going into debt. No. Show people you love them by telling them that you love them and by giving of yourself, spending some time with them. You know, I, I have a pet food food bank. And the other day, one of my volunteers was really, 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 really late picking up the food she was going to deliver. And I was honestly starting to get a little angry. I'm like, what in the world? You know, I have a life too. You know, all those things that we tell ourselves. And she showed up and she said, I'm so sorry. I met a neighbor of hers. And she had uh, been sick, so... I took her some soup, and then I realized she'd been sick, so her house was a mess, so I cleaned up her bedroom. And then I went into the kitchen and saw how many dishes, dirty dishes she had. And, and, and then, I, then, then the, I took the dog out, and I played with the dog because she's been sick. And the more she talked, the more I felt my heart melt. Because here I was all wrapped up in schedule, 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 schedule. And here was someone that I know that was doing the very same things that I tell other people they should be doing. And yet somehow in that moment, I had forgotten about it. I'd forgotten about other people have lives and I was centered only on myself. And that was a really huge aha moment for me because we all do that. We get caught up in our own lives. So maybe if you're starting to feel really stressed, take a look at maybe what other people are going through. It makes you feel a lot better about your own situation. Uh, there's a saying, and I actually saw a post yesterday on Facebook, that if each and every one of us threw our problems into a pile in the center, we would all grab our own problems back really quickly because uh, everyone is going through something. So if you're one of those people who dreads the holidays, uh, you know, realize that there's lots of other people that dread the holidays and find those little bitty things that make a difference to you and do those repeatedly. And never underestimate the power of a hot bubble bath in chocolate. <laughs> Maybe a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Adult timeouts are awesome. They're very flexible. You can do whatever. You know? <laughs> right? And it's not really punishment. So <laughs> right. <laughs> you mentioned something really important, Kelly. When you talked about... Um, the concept of not 
being 12 years old anymore. And let's talk about that a little bit because a lot of people still carry their past yeah. on a cellular level. I mean, it, you know, there is science scientific evidence is on a cellular level, but a lot of things that we do, not just stress around the holidays, weighs upon, you know, what we carry from, you know, our, our past. So I think that's important. So when you said, you know, we're not 12, we're not nine, right. we're not our family situation back then, you know, and there are ways that we can, we can look at, our situation now, even if we still are not financially as sound as we want to be, there are things that we can do to overcome holding on to what we had, what we experienced when we were younger. Right, right. You know, that's really important. Part of personal growth is realizing, you know what, I can let that stuff go now. I don't need to keep carrying that. And how you do that is different from one person to the next. Um, You know, I recently had a really, really horrible traumatic day and did something that I haven't done in about three decades. And I went outside in the the, back of my house and I broke dishes (laughs) because I was that, that wound up. I was wound that tight and I was that high strung that I could see no other way other than to do something that extreme. Now, normally I would go for a lot. But, um, you know, you have to honor your feelings and then realize where did they come from? Where did that feeling come from? And I know what brought up in me that day or what was brought up in me that day was something I thought I'd already dealt with. It went back to my very abusive relationship. It went back even further than that to a particular stepfather that I had. Stepfather, I don't think they were ever married. Uncle, whatever you call those people. Mother's boyfriend. There we go. Um, (laughs) That I had had. And that, what happened to me that morning brought up all of those previous issues that I really honestly thought I had dealt with. And it hit me so hard that the only thing I could think of to let it go was to break something. (laughs) And I broke dishes. And, you know, am I proud of that? No. But, you know, (laughs) it it shows that how we let things go is very personal. Where ordinarily some kind of physical activity would have done it for me, uh, it didn't work that morning. And I know myself well enough to know that – I had to find a solution. And I think we stop ourselves too soon sometimes. I think when things start coming up, rather than letting ourselves feel them so we can release them and say, that's not true for me anymore, I can move on now, we bury it. We're like, oh, my God, I can't go throw something. What will people think? That's what stops people is worrying about what someone else thinks. It's really important to Go into your emotions. I'm not saying, you know, kick and scream and throw a fit for, you know, a week and a half. But go into your emotions enough to feel them. Give yourself that adult timeout. Do what you need to do to release it and to get it out. And then you're free of it. Once you've owned it, once you've said, yeah, that was me then, that is not who I am now, I want to let that go and you let it go, it's done. 
Now, if it comes back around decades later, like what happened with me, you deal with it again because we're sort of like an onion. You know, it's layer after layer after layer. And sometimes we're not ready to face what we need to face in that moment. So we take just a little off the top. We, we take just a piece of that onion. We don't go down into the layers. We just take that surface. And that's okay for that time. But it will keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back until you've got it all out. That's just part of it. It doesn't mean you didn't do it right the first time. It means that there's a little bit more that you need to do. You know, with, with trauma people in counseling, particularly with children, a lot of times they, the counselor will say, okay, well, what, what happened? And the kid will say something like the balloon popped. And then the counselor will say, oh, that, I'm sorry, your balloon popped. How did that make you feel? And the kid oh, that would make me sad. Okay. Well, then they, the counselor will notice the child is visibly more happy. So they leave it alone at that moment because that kid has gotten out exactly what they were ready to get out. Now, years later, that kid may say, uh, the balloon popped because um, daddy picked me up and threw me across the floor and I let go of the balloon and it hit the ceiling and popped. Well, that's another layer. And at that time, that, that individual is, is ready to go a little bit deeper into that experience that they had and that event that happened and, and tell a little bit more and release a little bit more of it. Sometimes we're not ready to do a full-on release at one time especially if it's a terribly traumatic situation. And we need to cut ourselves some slack and realize the holiday season is unfortunately one of those times where all of those buried things do tend to surface. And some would say that's fortunate because that gives us an opportunity to release those things. So, yeah, you, you have to let it go. You have to face it, own it, and let it go. Because once you do, it's not going to have any control over you anymore. So that's what that was all about. I, I, I think one of the most controversial things I've ever said, and it got me more emails and messages on social media than anything else, is I have reached a point in my life now where I am grateful for the abusive experiences I had. And you get to that point eventually. And what I mean by that is I can now look back and see all of the wonderful things that I learned about myself through that experience. And I look back now and I think, you know, if, if I hadn't had that experience, I would have a very different life. It would not have been as fulfilling. It would not have been, I wouldn't have grown as much as I have. You know, there are all these different people and, and things that, that never would have happened to me if, if it weren't for that experience. And when you get to that point where you can say, you know what, that was a horrible thing that I went through, but I'm glad I went through it because it made me who I am. And that was the exact experience I needed in order to grow into who I am because it taught me lessons. Doesn't mean I deserved the abuse. Doesn't mean I'm saying that, you know, sometimes you, you need to be, you know, hospitalized. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is on a spiritual level, going through that event 
or, or that relationship showed me how much more I was worthy of and showed me how much bigger my life could be. So look at, look at the holidays like that. You know, look, look at what has happened to you in the past in, in the terms of what did I learn from it? Did I learn something from it? Did I grow from that? If you learned something from it and you grew from that experience, yay. Yay you. You're awesome. And I, th- I think that's something that is kind of controversial for people. It's like our thoughts create our lives, which is very true. And I will inevitably have people say, well, so you think I gave myself cancer? Well, I know I did. You know, I can't speak for everybody else, but I know the anger, the hostility that I kept bottled up for years is exactly what made me sick. I know that. And since I know it, I've decided, well, that was a really silly thing to do. I'm not going to do that again. And you move forward. You grow from it. So what do you think? I think you hit it on the head. Like, I don't know what else to add to that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when we do these shows where we have no idea what our topic is going to be, it's always amazing to me how we start in one area and we just kind of segue into area after area after area, and yet they're all very different, and yet they all tie together. It's really funny. I don't know how we do that, but it's it's true true talent, I think. So what else do we want to talk about? I know we were talking earlier about um, gratitude. We've kind of touched on it now. Well, I can add, I guess, what? a little to what you said, you know, with the people, and I, I say people, and I don't mean everyone, and I really don't like generalized terms myself, so let me rephrase that. A lot of people um, don't want to look at the positives. They want to hold on to the negative and right. see it as, you know, somebody else's fault. Um, it, in fact, my son, I was just having this conversation with him yesterday about, you know, just kids are mean a lot of kids are mean and he's been dealing with some yep. mean kids and he still has a role in why they're mean to him. Now he doesn't play a big part in it. We don't know what the home life is like for the child, what they're learning in their environments or, you know, what they have going on as to why they're mean. But if my son goes up in your face and says something or, you know, like screams in your ear or whatever, and this kid tells you, you know, you're ugly or whatever, I mean, you know, there's roles. The people play roles no matter what is happening to them. Right. And right. so he said, oh, it's all my fault. I said, no, son, it's not your fault. You just need to take responsibility for the part that you play in this. Are you near the kid? Can you move away from him? Can you avoid him at all costs? You know, there's things that can be done to, you know, I guess lessen the meanness or whatever. But that's something that you touched on a little bit um, with we're looking at the positives, even though – it's a horrible situation. There's still things that you can learn from that, that you can take right. with you that can make you stronger and more resilient, you know, than, um, than not having experienced anything like that and being 
you know, 40 years old and all of a sudden experiencing it. It helps you, you know, the things that you deal with in your past help you to deal with things that are, are coming your way. Definitely take notice that you have a part to play. It doesn't mean that you're at fault. It doesn't, <laughs> taking responsibility and taking blame are two totally different things. It's not your fault, right. but there is still a part that you play in the situation that you have encountered. Even if you don't want to think there is, exactly. there is. And there's always a positive aspect to take out of it, too. There is. And I know one of the things that I've seen with kids is um, you've, you've either got the kids who come from families where it's all somebody else's fault, or you've got the kids who come from families where it's all their fault. <laughs> and sometimes those two kids find themselves facing each other in school and there's an instant clash, you know, and I I think what you've just said is, is the way all the kids should be taught is we all have some, something to do with what happens to us. We are not victims. Do not raise your kids to be, you know, to have that victim mentality. You also don't want to raise your kids to be the bully. And unfortunately, I've seen it time after time again where it's not like parents set out to make their child the bully, but it happens. And a lot of the time it's just passed down from generation to generation. You know, we've all heard those parents say, don't take that from him. You stand up for yourself. And sometimes kids take that literally. I know I've told this story before where my grandmother, my well-meaning grandmother, uh, who in my opinion should be a saint, um, (laughs) told me one morning to look after my cousin, to take care of my cousin, who is older, but, you know, he was the skinny, scrawny, nerdy kid that everybody picked on. And I got into a fight because I was taking care of my cousin. And that's not at all what she meant. (laughs) But that's what happened. That's how I took it as a child. And I think we need to be really careful with that with our kids and explain more because I tell you what, kids understand more than you think they do. We don't give kids right. enough credit for knowing what's going on because they really do. No, we don't. They really do pick up on that stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. We all do like have some kind of... <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> No, that's using my son as an example, but yeah, it's something that if you're a jerk to your kids, your kid is probably going to be a jerk to somebody else. Exactly, and that's the bottom line. I'm not sugarcoating it. You know, like seriously, that. And so, just to expand on that, I know that's not kind of what our topic is about, but the, the the girl that was harassing my son in school, her dad actually took her and her brother out. So they're no longer in this school. And he approached me one day wanting to have a conversation with the admin because my son was a bully. And I looked at her. I said, you know, you have a part to play in this too, and you are part of the problem as well. So there's been a bully report on you as well. And he was livid. We thought we had solved the situation. My son was taken out of the classroom and moved to another class, which has turned out to be a godsend. It's just been a wonderful thing. Um, that the child is no longer in school. And it's, you mentioned the, you know, some people are, we blame everybody else. And some people are, yep. I'm to blame. 
I kind of fell in right. the I'm to blame category. Like, it's always my fault. It's always right. my fault. And I've been working myself out of that. You know, I, I have yes. been something that I've been working on is moving myself out of that. Everything's always my fault category. And so, you know, you mentioned that. And this girl that was bothering my son was the it's everybody else's fault category. And I'm not taking responsibility that, that, because that's how her father was raising her. I mean, he absolutely approached me as, you know, your son, and there was no other – that was it. It was my son, and there was no both sides right. of the story kind of concept. So I, I'm trying to raise my son to not be the it's all my fault because he is that way. I, I see that part of him, and that's how I was, and it was – it's not a good place to be. <laughs> it's not a good place to be at all. I think it's – with being in that place was why it took me so long to overcome some other things because I always took right. the blame. Right. Absolutely. Now I Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things, and it used to be my go-to line was, yeah, I know that was my fault. That thing in 1906, that big earthquake. Yeah, that was me too. Because it was just so, I was, around people who always made it my fault, you know, so Mm -hmm. I took the blame as well. It was like, okay, uh, it's, it must be my fault. Therefore everything in the history of mankind is my fault. So I sort of took it to the extreme in jest. And yet, even though I was joking, because clearly, you know, the thing in 1906 was not my fault. Um, it it sort of does that little inner voice. You know, everything we say in jest has a kernel of truth to it. And I had to stop saying that because I realized, you know, maybe on the surface I was laughing and making a joke out of it. But deep inside, my subconscious was saying, oh, well, that must be true then. You said it. Yeah. It must be true then. And we have to be careful with that as well. I know um, – People are so divided over JP Sears. It's really funny. I love you, JP, but you know people are really divided. (laughs) I was because he something about it. (laughs) He he is so funny and so sarcastic and so poking fun at himself along with everyone else. And I think people people either love him or they hate him. They either say sarcasm is bad and it's horrible and nobody should ever do it. Or they say, oh, my God, that's the funniest thing ever, you know, making fun of yourself because he does make fun of himself because he is in all these groups that he makes fun of. And people don't know how to take him. And he said something really interesting. He said, that's because I'm a mirror. We're all mirrors. And what people make of what we say is how they feel about themselves. And I thought, yeah, you know, there's truth to that because we all have our own perspective, you know, our own way of looking at things. And if you're looking at someone who's sarcastic and you're thinking, oh, that's just bad, that's just, that's just so bad, it's, it's hysterical, then that tells me you probably don't take yourself too seriously and you probably have a good sense of humor and you're probably willing and able to laugh at yourself. And if the if you're one of those people who says, "Oh my God, that's horrible! That that's just terrible! I'm I'm just so angry," 
that kind of tells me that you're kind of wearing your heart on your sleeve and you're not comfortable in your own skin. And, you know, it, it, it was really, that's the way I explain him now to people. Because <laughs> what you see is, a ref, is your own reflection. That's what you're seeing in him. If, if you think he's wonderful, then you probably have a really healthy sense of self. Because if, when we can laugh at ourselves, that means we love ourselves, even with all of our flaws. But if you're looking at someone else saying, oh, I don't like that, I don't like that at all, that you, you may need to look a little bit deeper into your own psyche. So that's, that's how I explain JP now to people. But, well, I yeah. personally think what he's downright hilarious. <laughs> well, I, I think he is too. I think he's absolutely hilarious. But, and if you talk to him, he is the most centered, most grounded, most coming from a place of love and light person. And yet he makes these hysterical videos making fun of everything. So it's just, yeah. We need to think about when you're reacting to something. And this is a, just takes us right back to the holidays. If you're one of those people who has a family that you never see, except maybe on the holidays for one or two meals, <laughs> and you know you're going to have siblings or you know you're going to have that, that crazy aunt or that, that horribly rude uncle who is going to push your buttons. Look at it from a standpoint of what is this person? What is my reaction to this person showing me that I need to work on? And I think maybe uh, you'll, you'll kind of look at them a little bit differently. As with any situation, any situation that you're looking at and you have just a horrible gut-wrenching reaction to, you need to really look at what, what is that bringing up for you? Is that bringing up a memory you need to look at and let go? Is that bringing up unhealthy emotions that you need to stop carrying around? What is that reaction bringing up in you? I, I think a lot of uh, family dinners would go a lot smoother if we all looked at each other that way. And you are under no obligation to be around toxic people. So you don't have to go to your family dinners. Absolutely. But if you Absolutely. Make that that choice is... And you know that it's going to happen and you make the choice to go, be prepared with some sort of armor, you know, to help you get through the situation. If you feel like you are downright obligated because you don't want the guilt trip of your nagging mother or whatever to go to, to dinner, then, you know, have some coping mechanisms in place to get you through it. Right. A absolutely. Um, you know, we used to have, when I, when I lived in the Bay Area, we used to have what we called the Orphans Thanksgiving. And it was all of those people who didn't want to go home for the holiday, just didn't have that close-knit family, you know, unit that everyone dreams of. Uh, Norman Rockwell certainly did not paint my family. <laughs> so right. it was, it, we always had the orphans dinner and it was a group of us and we were a family. We were not related to each other. We were just friends, but we were certainly a family. And that really made all of us 
that that gave all of us the strength to get through the rest of the holidays at that time because um we loved each other and we accepted each other unconditionally and that was all that mattered so don't think that just because everyone else around you is saying oh i can't wait to get home and see whoever it is they want to see don't think that that makes you wrong don't think that that makes right. you a bad person because you don't want to do that uh it makes you you it's okay Find those people that do love you unconditionally and, and that do accept you and spend the holidays with them. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's really not anything at all wrong with not wanting to go home wherever that is for you to your biological family for the holidays. Genetics is so overrated anyway. <laughs> it is. It really is. It really yeah, I mean, is. It really is. You know, it's like, <laughs> anyway. No, the, yeah, I, that's, yeah, anyway. <laughs> we have someone who's trying to call in, and I, I'm going to try okay. to get them back on. I can't tell if it's, are you calling in? Hello? Hello? Yeah. Hi. How are you, ladies? Hi, well, how are you? Great. Oh, I, I'm very happy I got through to you. Um, I trust your opinion, and I'm I'm hoping you can help me here. I'm trying to stage a little bit of a of an intervention. I have um, a young man in the home uh, who has started drinking. He's underage, and um, he's telling me he's not doing it, but I know he's doing it. I mean, he's downstairs with some friends right now doing it, and I really would like him to speak with. Um, someone about it our wife my wife passed away several years ago now and there's there's no female influence in his life and is there any way you could you could speak with him because i think you have the ability to get through to people and um i'd really appreciate it you know i i think that that's really something that you need to find a a counselor or an alcoholics anonymous um kind of counselor or, or one second ladies I'm not by, I'm not by the phone give me one second hang on Mehmet you pick up uh huh that's right yeah pick up the phone please thank you here he is hello I haven't puked yet but I need to can you speak with him please I, hello yeah I we're having we're I don't know. That is, I don't know what that is all about, guys. Sorry about that. That person probably is calling from a, a different country because the phone number was all ones. But um, interesting, and that's not what this show is about. So, um, you know, as, as much as our hearts go out to parents who are clearly troubled about their kids drinking underage, that's not really, we're not counselors and we're, we're not an Alcoholics Anonymous group. So we really can't help in that manner. Um, it's a, it's a bad situation certainly, but um, the uh, fact that, that the call tried to come in three times and then when we finally did connect, it, it faded out tells me that was probably not a real call. So what do you think, Lisa? What do you think about that particular call? I think it was kind of sudden. Um, it took me off guard, but I know that it is a problem. And grief counseling 
is a great avenue. I know there are several agencies that offer grief counseling. Um, if there's a particular, for example, the American Cancer Society offers grief counseling for those who have lost a loved one to cancer. So there are so many right. sources out there. Um, even even online, there's so many sources, and my heart really does go out to him. Um, and I really, really hope that they can find the resources that they need um, because underage drinking is a problem. And MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, you can connect with them and try and um, – you know, see if there's any any sources they can give you. But child is hurting and uh, is not sure how to deal with the death of his mother. So I think that's something that um, right, right, and that needs you to know, again, yeah. while while our hearts certainly go out to anyone who's having such a situation, um, this show we're we're not counselors. We're not giving counseling well, advice. I'm not even you know qualified to. Um, help someone who is calling in um, who may or may not have a a drinking problem um, with that problem. You know, the the fact that we're on internet radio and we have listeners worldwide um, tells me that there is a lot more to that particular situation than we can adequately address in this show. Um, but thank you for calling in. I know you had some trouble getting through, and we lost you uh, twice, actually. Um, so good luck to you. Uh, our hearts go out to you, and uh, we wish you all the best. But, uh, again, we're not counselors. We're not psychiatrists, and we really are not um, not qualified to help someone with, with such a, a, you know, supposed problem on the air. So what do you think, Lisa? Have we covered everything we wanted to cover? Or I know we had no idea what our topic was going to be today, and we have run the gamut. So any final thoughts? I'm just going to let this one to you, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the bottom line is to be good to yourself during the holiday season. Um, And if you're listening to this later on and it's the middle of summer and you're going, what holidays are they talking about? Still be good to yourself. (laughs) You know, that is, that is um, advice that you can take anytime. It doesn't have, you don't have to wait until you're stressed or you're feeling overwhelmed to take care of yourself. Give yourself the the time that you need alone, alone. Quiet time is awesome. Uh, Find what works for you that makes you feel better, that diffuses your anxiety or your, your, whatever you're going through at the time and uh, let it go. Just let it go. And you can move on with your life. I think that just about does it for this week. Um, we will be running replays, I guess for the next two weeks, I will be traveling um, unless, you know, Lisa wants to do the show with a stand in. That would be awesome too. And we I will see you when I get back. <laughs> there we go. So stay tuned next week. You guys have a beautiful, beautiful day and week in the meantime, and really be kind to yourself. Bye, everyone. Bye.